this podcast is presented to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church in Lubbock, Texas. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com. If you need a Bible, raise your hand with me. And then once you get it, go with me to Psalm 115. Psalm 115. Now we're starting a brand new series here called The End. And as we get going here, I'll begin to tell you how all this was birthed and how, you know, God put things in my heart to share. And you got to come each week, okay? I don't know how many weeks we'll go, probably at least four, maybe five. You got to come each week because what's going to happen is you'll begin to hear what Jesus says about eternity and what God says about eternity. And that's all that matters, okay? Is what Jesus and God says. Not what man says, not what tradition, what traditions say, not what religion says, but what does God, what does the B-I-B-L-E say? Now, I'm going to put a, a, a scripture in you today that this will be one of our main verses. Psalm 115, let's start in one, uh, verse 1. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but to your name we give glory because of your mercy and because of your truth. Why should the Gentiles say, so where is their God? Now here's the verse I want you to really get. But our God is in heaven, and He does whatever He pleases. Whoa. The New Living says that He does whatever He wishes. Now here's the thought I want to begin with, that if you believe that God is God, In other words, you believe he's the creator of everything and everyone, then understand this right here, that because God is God, he can do whatever he pleases. In other words, God's the one who set up the guidelines. And God tells us that when we live within his guidelines, what he says, our life is well with us. And so I like this thought here, That God does whatever He pleases. Now, God's a just God. So if God's a just God, that means God will be a God that demands justice. And you know what God's justice is? Everything He says in the Word of God. God will do precisely what He says. Now, go with me into the New Testament to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. You know, Isaiah 55, 9 says that God's thoughts are higher than ours and His ways are higher than ours. i got to live with that right there. In other words, God knows more than I do. God knows more than you do. God's smarter than us. So we're going to Philippians 2. Now, as you're turning to Philippians 2, we're going to go from Philippians 2 to Philippians 1 to Philippians 3 in that order. The author of the book of Philippians is the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul himself said in 1 Timothy 1, he said, in whom I'm the chief sinner. In other words, there was a time in Paul's life that he referenced himself as a great sinner. But Paul is on the road to Damascus and he gets born again. And after he gets born again, not only does Paul's heart change, but Paul's lifestyle begins to change. In other words, he's just not a Christian in name or theory. You can look at his manner of conduct or his manner of life and you can begin to see this guy is different. I believe that's important for every one of us. That I'm not just a Christian in, in theory. 
But man, my lifestyle will show it. Philippians 2, verse 9. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given the name which is above every name. So God is saying here that he elevated this name above every other name. Well, what name is it? Well, look at verse 10. That at the name of Jesus. That at the name of Jesus. So let's go back and let's read verse 9 again with Jesus' name in it. Therefore... God also has highly exalted Jesus and given Jesus the name which is above every name. Now we jump back to Psalm 115, verse 3. He's God, so he does as he pleases. So God pleased to give Jesus the name above every name. But God didn't just give him that name for the fun of it. God gave Jesus that name because Jesus was obedient to the point of death. And so God saw what Jesus did how he he walked the earth as a man, how he died on the cross as a man, how he went to hell. And so after God saw everything that Jesus did for me and you, you know what God said? I'm going to give him the name that's above every name. Every name. Now look where that name is valid as we read on in verse 10. That every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and those under the earth. So the name of Jesus is universal to the people that are in heaven, to the people on earth, and to the people that are under earth or in hell. Verse 11. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, what happens here is when I read verse 11, that every tongue should confess, it's as if a lot of times we read this into that that because every tongue will confess that he's Lord, that means everybody will be saved. But I want us to understand here today, I I can't twist the scriptures to get the word of God to say what I want it to say. And I can't look through religious glasses, and I can't look through the traditions of men. I've got to begin to study the word of God and find out precisely what God says even about this thing we call the end. And so what began to happen with me, and it's been a couple years in the making, but many of you have read the book, Heaven is for Real, and some of you have seen the, the movie, Heaven's for Real. And I love the clip of the boy going to heaven. The issue that I have with all this is when you all you ever talk about is heaven, a lot of people get the mentality that everybody's going to heaven. Now, I don't want you to see this as thus saith pastor, but I want you to see this in the Bible. What does it say? Because when it comes to hell, many times we try to avoid hell. Shh, shh, let's don't talk about hell. And by doing that, many times we begin to look and we begin to think, well, hell's not real. If I don't talk about it, then it can't be real. But when it comes to hell... I don't want to assume everybody's going to heaven. I don't want to chance it. I don't want to risk it. I want to know. I want to know the truth. And sometimes, and even this morning, I'm just going to warn you right now, sometimes the truth is very uh, convicting. But I don't know about you, I would rather hear the truth on this than assume. So that's the goal for these upcoming weeks 
is to talk about the end. Now turn with me to Philippians chapter number 1. Philippians chapter number 1, and I ask you today to leave what's familiar to what's the truth. In other words, I, I don't care what man has taught us. If it's not by the Bible, I want to leave it, and I want the truth in this area. For every one of us, not just my life, but for every one of us in this room. So we go to Philippians chapter 1, verse number 19. Apostle Paul talking still, and he says, For I know. For I know. Now that's the goal for every one of us in this room. That I want us to get to a place in our life where I know. If I was to die today, I want to know where I'm going to end up at. I don't want to assume. I don't want to, I want to know. And this is how the apostle Paul starts. A man who at one time was the chief sinner. And he says, for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply or the abundance of the spirit of Jesus Christ. So Paul's knowing here is because of Jesus. Paul's knowing here is because of the word of God. Verse 20. According to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ will be magnified or honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Now this is a man who can talk about life or by death because you know what? He knows. He knows, and so when I read this with the possible, you can tell here with him using the word boldness, he doesn't fear death. And I believe it's important that every one of us in, in, in our lives, we can get that way. Where death doesn't freak me out. That I know that because of where I'll spend eternity at. So we keep reading in verse 21. For to me to live is Christ, but to die is the gain. Now, those are interesting words. And so he's telling me, as long as I live, I'm going to live my life on earth for Jesus. Jesus is Lord of my life. Jesus is Lord of my home. Jesus is Lord of my, my marriage. Jesus, every area of my life, it's associated with Christ. And so he tells me, to live is for Jesus, but to die is the gain. Now, most of us as human beings, when we talk about death, we don't view death as gain. Most of us are like, man, I, I don't want to know that. So how can he talk about to death is, to, to die is the gain? Because he knows. He knows in his heart where he'll spend eternity at. Verse 22. But if I live on in the flesh or in this physical world, this will mean fruit for my labor. One translation says, fruit for my labor for Jesus. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell. For I am hard pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Now why would he say that? Because you think about heaven. Heaven is a place that the Bible says there's no more tears. There's no more pain. There's no more sickness. Kind of sounds like a place I'd kind of like to go to. 
And when I was reading the book, Heaven is for Real, there were times I would have to put it down and get away from it because heaven really started attracting me. And that's why I can begin to see what Paul said, but the young man on the video named Kyle. He said, man, it was a place of peace. It was a place of love. And I think as human beings, it's very difficult for us to truly grasp it. But it's interesting, the apostle Paul said, to die is the gain. And he goes on and says in verse 24, Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And the reason he's saying that is because as long as he was around them, he was going to tell them the truth, he was going to be with them. But I jump back to verse 23. And many times when it comes to verse 23, when you hear of someone that's died or just say their funeral, often this verse is spoken about or communicated. And it's viewed or spoken about that everyone goes to heaven. And it's almost uh, unanimous that everybody believes that. How many have ever been to a funeral and you've heard them say, he or she's in a far better place? They're in a place that they don't hurt anymore. Now, I'm going to ask you another question, and I ask for a show of hands. How many of you have ever been to a funeral, and you heard that the, uh, the, the, the minister that was officiating the funeral said, that woman or man right there in that casket, they are going to burn in hell for eternity. How many of you have ever heard that in a funeral? That's what I thought. It's unanimous. I've never heard that. And I'm in the profession where we marry them and we bury them. It's called job security. That's a joke, okay? But never in my life have I ever said that about a human being. Now, I can honestly tell you this. I've wondered where these people are at times in their life. And when I've done funerals, and most of the time now, I will not do a funeral unless I know the person And the reason for that is this. Everybody wants you to tell everybody that they're they're in heaven. But here's what happens at a funeral. You get up and you start reading obituary. And this is how most obituaries are. You tell about all their earthly achievements. Billy Bob worked at such and such job. He did this. He did that. He had a doctorate degree. He had this and this. Then we get over and we talk about their hobbies. Woo, he loved to fish. He was a scratch golfer. He loved Little League Baseball. She was a great cook. She loved to sew. And then we talk about their spouse. We talk about their children, their grandchildren. And if they're old enough, their great-grandchildren. The problem that comes an issue with this is, is there ever anything that's mentioned about God in their life? Did they ever honor God? Did they ever serve God? But yet we want to assume that everybody's in heaven. But it's interesting to me here, the Apostle Paul said, to depart and be with Christ. So you know what that shows me? In his life, he hung out with Jesus. He did a lot with Jesus for him to even say, man, when I die, I'm going to depart and be with Christ. Same chapter. Look with me in verse 27. Only... Let your conduct or your manner of life or your actions be worthy 
of the gospel or the word of Jesus Christ. So you know what he's telling me there? You better learn to put a little walkie-walkie with your talkie-talkie. If you'll note there, he didn't say that you just confess Jesus as Lord. It's interesting to me that he talks about the conduct or your manner of life. You know what he's talking about? How you live. Keep reading. So that whether I come and see you or your lifestyle or am absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast or firm, one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. That you strive to live by the gospel. That you strive to live by the word of God. Verse 28. And not in any way terrified by your adversaries or your opponents, which is to them a proof of perdition. And here's what we've got to jump to real quick. What does perdition mean? The word perdition means... Destruction. So let's read that again right here. And not in any way terrified by your adversaries, your opponents, which is to them a proof of destruction, but to you of salvation and that from God. So right here, the Apostle Paul, he has a contrast between ones that will experience destruction and ones that will experience salvation. So who is the ones that will experience salvation? These are the ones that oppose the Word of God. These are the ones that say, you know what? I'm not going to serve God. Now here's two questions that come a lot to me in life. Could God or would God send somebody to hell who was a good person. He was a good citizen. He never broke the law, but in his life or his manner of living, there was never any reference of God or Jesus in his life. See, that's where we get at, and this is the question that always comes up. How could a loving God send a good person to hell? The second question that comes out a bunch is, you know, there's many ways to salvation. And Christianity is just one of those ways. And so what they're telling me is they believe that through a lot of different religions, there's other ways to salvation. But i got an issue with that. And the issue is Philippians 2 and 9, where Paul said that the, the Father God gave Jesus the name above every name. And so if I believe the Word of God, it says the only way to the Father is through the Lord Jesus, and the only way to be saved is through Jesus. So once again, I jump back to Psalm 115, verse 3, and remember, He's God, and He does as He pleases. Now, you know what God will do? Exactly what He says He'll do. And you can always know God's heart and God's will right here in the Bible. So understand real clearly, God is a just God, and since God's a just God, He's going to demand justice. Woo! Interesting, huh? Turn over a couple pages to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. And I'm going to begin in verse 17. Now this is the Apostle Paul talking again. 
And he starts out here with this, Brethren, fellow believers, join in following my example or my same course. And note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. Note those who have walked. He didn't say note those who've talked. He said note those who walk. In other words, their lifestyle, how they live. Verse 18. For many walk, and I encourage you to highlight that, for many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. Now what does that mean right there? That they would be enemies of the cross of Christ. That they live or they conduct their manner of life not according to Jesus. Why would he use the word weeping there? Because it bothered the Apostle Paul knowing that when a person doesn't walk or conduct his lifestyle in the manner of a Christian, it's not good. How do I know why it's not good? Look at verse 19, what he says. Whose end is destruction. Now, how can I get away from this? This is the Bible. And so here's a warning from the Apostle Paul that it's more than just confessing Him as Lord. That's the starting point. When you confess Jesus as Lord of your life, that is just the beginning point. But something ought to happen in us that our lives should, should look like Jesus right here on earth. So he says in verse 19, whose end is destruction, whose God, and look at the way God is spelled there. It's spelled little g. When it's God, Yahweh, the great Jehovah, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God that was and is and is to come, it's always big G. Here it's little g. So the ones who have destruction is because they serve a false god and their belly and whose glory is their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. So when he says their God is their belly, you know what he's talking about? Their appetites are appetites of this thing called the world. They live for the things of this world instead of living for God. They live for money, they live for their job, they live for pleasure, the lust of the eyes, the lust of flesh, and the pride of life. And so he's telling me here real quick, that when my appetite is more for the things of this world than the things of God, there's a thing called destruction. Now, once again, this isn't a pleasant thought for me. I mean, I sit there and I look at this in my own life. And the very thought that as a human being I could spend eternity in hell, it's not real, real appealing to me. But I even jump more. It, it literally freaks me out to think that I'll have family members or loved ones that could possibly be in hell. It's not real fun, is it? But when it comes to this thing called eternity, once again, I don't want to chance this. I don't want to assume it. I want to know what the Scriptures say. So we jump to verse 20. For our citizenship, woo, this is good right here. 
for our citizenship, the ones who know Jesus and live for Jesus, is in heaven. From which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now note there, he didn't say that we eagerly wait for Buddha. That we eagerly wait for Muhammad or, or uh, uh, Harry Krishna. He said that we eagerly wait for the Lord and Savior Jesus. So I go back to, to Psalm 115 verse 3 and I have this thought. If God can do whatever he pleases, he set the guidelines right here. For every one of us. Now go with me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15. So what, what I see there, there's a huge contrast. There's a contrast between believers, those who live for Jesus, and unbelievers, those who didn't. And there's a huge contrast between one's destiny and the other's. One destiny was heaven, and the other's destiny was a place called destruction. So in reading between those lines, you get real quick. Not everybody goes to heaven. Not everybody will. I'm going to fill in some blanks here. Because the goal is not to condemn, judge. My goal is to show us biblically, number one. But number two, where you can leave, no. And I know. Man, I know. I know where I'm going to spend eternity at. I'm going to tell you right now. If I was to exit this earth today, don't feel sorry for me. Say, darn, pastor, that rat, he beat me to heaven. Because I'll tell you, I, there's not a doubt. I'm, I'm going to go to heaven. I have that sense of knowing in there. And it's because, one, I've received Jesus as Lord of my life, but I can go back just like the Apostle Paul. Many of you in this room can too. You were close to being the chief sinner. But you begin to see a change in your lifestyle. Once again, not only did I confess Jesus as Lord and Savior, but then I didn't run back and start living in the same pattern of sin. Are you perfect, Pastor? No. Are you sinless? No. I just sin less. That's tricky, Pastor. <laughs> oh, it's the truth. I'm not perfect. But I will tell you this, that when I do sin, it bothers me. It bothers me, man. I, I, I try to repent real quick. Before I got born again, when I sinned, did it bother me? No. Man, it bothered me a bit. You know why? You know what sinners do? They sin. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now, you know what? In talking about this, you're welcome to say amen, okay? I know this isn't easy, and I, I promise you guys, I played tug of war with the Lord. I said, Lord, I don't want to speak on that. I mean, it bothered me. I can tell you right now, you know what I did the first service? There was so much resistance I sensed that I wouldn't even look at people. I looked at that clock. I looked right over their head. And I'm, this is the deal with all this I'm talking about. I live under the same guidelines every one of you do. I'm not exempt from this. But once again, I don't want to chance this. I don't want to assume this for you or me. I want to know this is what the B-I-B-L-E says. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 21. For since by man came death... By man also came the resurrection of the dead. So what he's talking about here is Adam and Jesus. So let me read it again. For since by Adam came death, and by Jesus also came the resurrection of the dead. 
For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. Now I've had people debate that verse to me right there. In Adam all will die. That's talking about physically. Every one of us in this room, if Jesus doesn't come back, you're going to die, okay? Physically. But then it says, because of Jesus, all shall be made alive. All shall be made alive. Let me read the New Living in this verse, and it will really help you. The New Living says, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. Everyone who belongs to Christ. So I go back and ask you this. Do you believe an atheist belongs to Christ? Someone that's rejected Jesus? I don't believe so. So i got to be careful with the word all here. Actually, the word all in this verse, it denotes a large number of people. I'm going to come back to that in a minute. Look at verse number 23. But each one in his own order. Now, Paul's talking about the second coming. And he's saying Christ the first fruit. Afterwards, those who are Christ or those who belong to Christ at his coming. So he's telling me and you, when Jesus comes back the second time, Jesus is going to show up first. And you're going to hear this trumpet. And it's probably not going to sound anything like that, okay? I mean, I think it's going to be a blast that you're like, oh my, it'll be a blast that some people probably wet their pants like, where did that come from? And Jesus is going to stroll back in. And then you know who's going to go with him? The ones that are in Christ Jesus, the ones that identify with him, the ones that are blood-bought. Now, verses 21, 22, and 23, they're awesome. Verse 24, 25, and 26, they're not so awesome, but I want to read them. Then comes the end. Now, remember our series is called The End. Then comes the end. Then comes the completion. Now, look what happens here at this thing called The End. When Jesus delivers the kingdom to God the Father, when Jesus puts an end to all rule and all authority and power, for Jesus must reign till Jesus has put all enemies under his feet, and the last enemy that will be destroyed is death. So when you look at the end, the end will be marked by a lot of destruction. There will be a destruction to everything and everyone that is not marked by the blood of Jesus. Not, a, not a, a great thought here. Anybody or anything that poses Jesus, it'll be over. Now I jump back to verse 22, where it says all. And it's interesting the word all he uses there, because in, in 1 Timothy 2, it says God desires that all people be saved. And in 1 Thessalonians 4, it says that God desires all believers to live sexually pure. But here's the question about that word all. God desires all, all people to be saved, but will all people be saved? God desires that all believers live sexually pure, but will all believers live sexually pure? The answer to the most of those questions is no. And the reason God will let it happen is this right here. Every one of us in this room, God has created us with a free will, a moral will. And you know what that means? He allows me and you to choose what we'll do in life. 
And He allows me and you to choose whether we want to live saved, full of Jesus. And He allows me and you to choose whether I want to live sexually pure. Now, I've never seen this one time in all my life that Jesus holds someone hostage and He points a gun to Robert Bacon's head and says, Get saved, boy. Get saved. Never. So you know what I'm showing you there? He gives every one of us a choice. So when people say to us, how can a loving God send people to hell? He doesn't send people to hell. People choose to go to hell. It's tough, isn't it? That's a tough thought. Thank you. I will. Just because I love people. See, he's a good God and he's a just God, but I get back. Even 1 John 1, 9 says that he's faithful and just. He demands justice. And I can always go back and I, I can tell you what God's going to do. You want to know God's will? Get in God's word. You want to know God's word? You've just gotten God's will. Throughout the Bible, he lets us know what he's going to do. Now, i got one more passage for you here. 1 Corinthians 16. Just turn a page. One more verse. Don't miss these next coming weeks, okay? I, I can tell you this, in studying this, there were several times last week that the fear of God would come on me so strong that I, I would literally get up out of my chair and I'd have to come in here and pray. I would walk out in the parking lot because it would, it would get so intense on me as far as the reality of this and the reason the fear of God came on me because it became so clear in the Scriptures that it was like, I don't have to wonder what God's going to do. I know. And it's not always pleasant. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 22. If anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be accursed. Let him be cursed. The message says, when it uses the word cursed, it says he will be thrown out. O Lord, come. So there's a contrast here between ones that will live with Jesus and ones that will be accursed or cursed. Now look back at this verse, and I want to read the first part. If anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ. So I could ask right here in the room, does everyone in this sanctuary this morning love Jesus Christ? See, I, I, I could have told you it would have been unanimous. Now, here's a problem with that. In John 14, 15, Jesus said, If you love me, obey my commandments. So Jesus is telling us, and even the Apostle Paul here is telling me this right here. See, it's one thing to confess me as Lord, but it's another thing for me to obey him. And remember the reason Father God bestowed the name above all names upon Jesus was because he was obedient to the point of death. But am I obedient to Jesus to the point of death? So what happens here is with a lot of believers in America, we literally live uh, Revelations 3.16. You know what that says? Because you are lukewarm, I will spit you or vomit you out. Now, every time I read that verse, it rocks me. So you know what a lukewarm Christian is? 
ones that confess Him out of their mouth as Lord and Savior, but their lifestyle, their manner, or their conduct doesn't match what they're confessing. Ooh, Pastor, that's tough. Not easy. But if I love Him, I'm going to obey Him. Now, once again, my goal, I'm, I'm, I'm not judging, I'm not preaching fire and brimstone. I'm not doing any of that, guys. I just want us to see biblically the things that God says. And my prayer for my own life, even for you, is that the fear of God come upon us. Where I don't get caught up in in the lifestyle of the world and I stroll in on church on Sunday morning and church is fun and church is entertaining because it's very interesting that Jesus himself would uh, confront sin. He said the woman in adultery, he said, darling, go and sin no more. When Jesus confronted sin, he did it out of a motive of love. But why would Jesus say in, in John 16, 18, I send the Holy Spirit to convict the world of sin. It's dangerous when churches and preachers quit preaching on sin. And I hate doing it. I tell you today, I hate it. But I realize i got to preach the truth. I, gotta, I tell you, I don't enjoy this at all. But I understand in life, I, I don't want anyone here to assume something because we're not playing with tiddlywinks. We're talking about a people's eternity. Thank you for listening to the podcast. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com.